Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che da gol! Il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. El largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol. Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yeah. We'll talk more college football cancellations today. Seems like a regular theme, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Man. NBA right around the corner. Exhibition games starting tomorrow night. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. And a little bit later on, the promoter extraordinaire, the Hall of Famer, Bob Arum, top-ranked boxing. Going to wish Bob a... Happy belated 89th birthday. Wished him one the other day on two days ago when it was his birthday. He said, okay, he was traveling the last couple days. Come on the show, and we will talk about the potential of making that Earl Spence Jr. Terrence Crawford fight, the one that everyone wants to see. So we'll have some fun. We'll talk to Bob Arum about that. Nick Bogdanovich from William Hill will join us as we preview tonight's game. Thursday Night Football between the Rams and the Patriots. So a lot to cover, a lot to do. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday. Ballpark Frank, what is going on, my man? Well, I agree with you that uh, the football cancellations are regular, much more regular than Chan Ho Park is these days. But, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, un- un- unfortunately, that is, is something that we are definitely dealing with in this world, in this society today. So, But, um, yeah, a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, I-, I am curious, uh, when you said the fight that everybody wants to see, Will how many buys will it do? How will it compare with the fights that we think nobody really wants to see, but people actually apparently want to see them? <sighs> Can't compare those charades, as I like to say. With you saying you know, people want to see, if people are putting down their money, they want to see. I'm them. talking about people as that want to see a true sporting event, so a that true every boxing, boxing yes. fan wants that, to see. That, that's true. That's true. Exactly. But just because. A couple uh, goofballs, YouTubers, want to get in the ring against each other, and they draw over a million buys. I'm not putting much credence into that just because it has a million buys. I didn't say I'm putting a lot of credence in it. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that, for whatever reason, do want to see that stuff. Again, it's just... You say a lot of people, but then again, I mean, we're talking about the masses, and there are some people, like myself, that won't even tune in to... A, a, the garbage that we saw with Nate Robinson. And, and remember, remember, if that pay-per-view stood on its own, if if the headline was Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul, and that was it, and then there was a bunch of other ham and eggers underneath, 
No, it, it wouldn't have done that. But remember, it was on the undercard of Tyson and Jones, and that's the only reason that this thing was put together. So it could like, okay, let's we've got this intrigue, but we're not sure if boxing people are going to buy this. But okay, let's tie it in like that, and then now it turns into a blockbuster or a winner for the promoter in that sense. And, and I'm not arguing that. But even Tyson Jones, I mean, did boxing fans want to see that? Absolutely not. I didn't either. No. So that's what I'm saying. I didn't. I didn't say specifically just the YouTube, just the Paul brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's a lot of fights that purists and real fans of the sport don't want to see, but. People love the three-ring circus. See, and I don't think something should be judged by, okay, is this a successful event or a successful fight? Say if you do have you know, Crawford and Spence, and say it only does 700,000 buys or 900,000, and, and it's a great fight, but people are going to say, oh, see, you know that, that Jake Paul, Nate Robinson, or Tyson Jones fiasco, that was better. No, I, I didn't just, say better. No, no, but, no I'm but, not but saying you. I'm money, not, money does run I know, the world. But, but I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general for that type of conversation because obviously boxing is still a a niche sport to a certain degree. And even if you have Canelo Triple G again, it'll be the marquee event like it has been in, in the past. The two times they fought before and Spence. And Crawford, even though those guys don't have the name appeal, but they are two of the best fighters, pound for pound, in the entire world. And it will do good business. It'll be an exciting fight. It'll get talked about, not just in the boxing community, but it'll get talked about in mainstream. But ultimately, it's still a smaller percentage than just all the other humanoids out there that are skateboard fans or or political fans or whatever. And then you could, you know, throw, throw that in there. I mean, that's like comparing... A sporting event to, I don't know, the finale of going way back to MASH or, say, well, like Law and before, Order or something like that. The Westminster you know? dog, dog Show. I mean, that gets gigantic ratings. I've never watched it. Mm. I see the highlights of, okay, the quirky one or whatever like that, but, but, for, but I do not watch the show. You don't know what you're missing, man. Have you seen that schnauzer? That schnauzer competition? Do you sit there that and beagle? watch it? You do not sit there and watch the whole thing. Not the whole thing. But it has intrigued me. In Madison Square Garden, it intrigues me because it's at the Garden. But then again, yeah, I just, you know. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I but like But that's the- not prime time. It's not like NBC is going to knock out a football game to show that. I, no, but, but, I see but it, but it on Saturday only- afternoons or something like but that. But it's the only thing that's knocked WWE Monday Night Raw off the air. And, and that's got the yeah. longest running thing for a live show that's been going on forever. Right. So it, it because it gets bigger ratings than that. And that's a pretty good analogy, too, if you take like some of the WrestleManias, which is a niche-slash-sport or entertainment event, and it can do a gazillion buys. Okay, it, it, it made money for WWE, Vince McMahon, everybody, and those participants, but... How much you know worldwide acclaim is that going to be? Because there are certain demos that are not even going to pay attention to it. Oh, for sure. So, you know, it's like in the movie Blue Chips when uh, you know when uh, Nick Nolte is a coach and he says, "There's a billion Chinese that couldn't care less right now." <laughs> <laughs> and see, you probably got away with that back then. You probably couldn't right. say that right now, right? right. Well, you could say there's a billion people in China that couldn't care less right now. Right. You do have to word how you uh, watch how you word things these days. Yeah. But usually film gets away with that stuff. They, they do more. And Quentin Tarantino and, 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 is famous for using the N word repeatedly. 
But has he ever gotten flack over that? Oh, he's, he's gotten some flack over it. No, he, he definitely yeah. has. And then when it goes on mainstream television, when Django it just on, gets you know, bleeped out. When Django on Chain came out, there was a lot of people yeah. that gave him flack for that originally. But, what about, but, but, the, but then they did let it go on that. I was actually, I never saw that movie. I was watching it one of the times when I was given blood for platelets because it was on, and a couple of the nurses walked by and they go, you're watching? I'm like, yeah, I've never seen it. I didn't. And then they were just kind of like, wow, okay. And that's, I'm like, I just want to see it because it, it was a it was a really good movie. And again, because I think one of the reasons that they did get away with it because who they made the actual star of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it was the black guy who came back and got revenge and did everything like that. So, you know, if the slave owner would have won out, not sure it would have got the same critiques and everything and gotten away with it as Well, easily. you go back to 1994 with Pulp Fiction, okay? There were more, you know, N-words in there than probably any other movie and again, it, you know, the context and everything, it, I'm not saying it was more acceptable, but yeah, I think I will say it was more acceptable. I don't remember anybody throwing a big fit when that happened, but I think film gets away with it because you are paying to go to the theater to see that. You're electing to do that. And as I think it as- also depends on the director and that kind of stuff, too, somewhat. Some directors and some people can get away with stuff that other people can't. Right. At that point in time with Quentin Tarantino, though, he was still very young in his, you know, directorial career. He was kind of a renegade about uh, about it and stuff like that, too. Yeah. And yeah. So so he had that kind of shock value and shock factor. And and even and even the negative publicity that he did get was kind of a good thing for him at the time. It got his name out there. So you would like to play something from Pulp Fiction. Is that what you're trying to tell me? You want to do the twist contest right now? Okay, let's do the twist contest. All right. Let's see what you can do. Take it away. The great song by Chuck Berry. Now, speaking of this, and again, this is unabated to the quarterback. Had no idea you were going to do this, but you, here, I got to make some moves. You know I love this movie. More sound bites from this movie, the better. Don't you need, we need to get Facebook Live in here for your break dancing and oh, everything yeah. else you're doing in that. Woo! So anyway, to this song, I'll segue to this story. Have you seen the new Capital One commercial with Samuel Jackson? I, is it the Santa Claus one? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, good. So, do you know who is in that commercial with him? I didn't really pay that close attention. Okay, and, and neither did I. And because we see the guy that's playing Santa, and he's talking to Samuel, and if you really look closely, I had no idea. I was thinking, I know this guy. He looks familiar. Uh, is that Jeff Bridges, somebody like that? No, it was John Travolta. Okay, that makes sense. It was John Travolta. And if you really look at this commercial or listen to the commercial, they have all these Pulp Fiction references. So this commercial, the new Capital One commercial, is all based on Pulp Fiction. It's reunited, and especially if you play the long version. There's a 60-second version, and then they talk about the song that Numchuck just played from Pulp Fiction, the Chuck Berry song, and then it shows them at the end dancing just like him and Uma Thurman did to a different Chuck Berry song. And I don't think the average person caught any of this. And I didn't even get it as much as I love Pulp Fiction and seen it so many times and love those two actors. Someone else had to tell me about it. And they Googled it. And I read this article and I was amazed. So I'm just wondering when they put that thing together. It's kind of like the inside joke. Hey, we're going to get these two guys, this and that. Yeah. But... I don't know how many people know it. You didn't know it. I didn't know it. 
Now, now that I'm you're saying it, I'm playing. I'm kind of playing the commercial in my head, okay. and I kind of can see through the Santa thing. And that it would be, and it doesn't surprise me that John Travolta would do something like that. I yeah. mean, John Travolta's a pretty good guy. By the way, him playing Santa's perfect. He doesn't need reindeer to fly. He's got a pilot's license. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, we've got the commercial. So go ahead. Let's let's play this Capital One commercial and see if you can pick it up. All right, we got 9,000 tins of hot chocolate, 3,000 bags of marshmallows, 5,000 world's best elf mugs, and 3,000 bolo ties. Gifts for elves, check. Now just in a dang coupon code. Hold your reindeer, Santa. Samuel, what's up? I got a gift for you. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them. Just download it to your computer. It's free. Oh, I have that. Saved me a bundle. You have that? Mm-hmm. What? Yep. Whoa, look at that. So, that get me off your naughty list? Are you off the naughty words? Yes. Oh, 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 I don't think so. Why you gotta make it so hard? Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Out of all the rangers, you know you're the mastermind. So there's the Chuck Berry song. If you pick up... There's a reference to the $5 shake that they had uh, at, at Jackrabbit Slim's during this. Shake. I don't the, know if it's worth $5. Eh, That's a good shake. Exactly. Exactly. Pretty <laughs> effing good shake, right? And then he's talking about the, 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 what, the Bilo ties that he wore as Vincent Vega in that. So it's genius. But again, I don't know how many people caught, you know, really caught it. And there's been a lot of these commercials recently that I'm not sure that people are catching. Another one, and I think we've talked about this before. But not in detail is that Cobra Kai commercial oh, yeah. now. Koala right? Kai, yeah, Koala Kai. And how many people? Oh, I know what we talked about. We talked about the uh, Dolph Lundgren in the Rocky. And I'm yeah. saying well, I'm not sure how many people. And so when I'm looking at this Cobra Kai, Koala Kai, how many people are going to remember? Okay, that's the guy from Karate Kid. Because he looks, you know, that was 40 years ago, right? I can't imagine anybody not knowing it. But, it, yeah. it, but, but it's also because they play that movie over there. They, they, they show those Karate Kid movies all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, hey, uh, support the leg. Support. More mercy. Yeah, yeah it, it, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, instead of no mercy, it's like, show more mercy. Yeah. yeah. So, and instead but, of sweep the leg, it's support okay, the leg. Okay, but then again, I don't think people that are under the age of 25 or 30 are going to understand that. It's just like I don't think people are going to understand that Dolph Lundgren commercial that we They're not going to see it unless it's on TikTok anyhow, so yeah. what does it matter? Who cares? <laughs> Did you say TikTok or TikTok? TikTok. Okay, TikTok. Yeah. You don't stop. All right, no. there you go. By the way, when it does come to Tic Tacs, I, I, I mean, I, you can't find the cinnamon ever. That's the only one that I really Oh, like. the cinnamon was the best. They don't have the cinnamon anymore, it's really? It's hard to find them. Really? Very hard to find them. Wow, look it's at very this. Very upsetting. By the way, I did see Chuck Berry in concert years ago. So did I. I saw Chuck Berry in Lake Tahoe, and I drove up in a snowstorm to see him. I saw him Tr- at Chicago Fest. Oh, wow. That's strong. And, 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 and uh, on the main stage, it was raining, so they took all the, the acts that couldn't get together. Mm. Chuck Berry... The, the Buckinghams, just just all sorts of it. It, it was a great night. Yeah. Rain was coming down a little bit, but it was still awesome. There you go. Good stuff there. All right. How's that? Let's start the show today. There you go. Boom. Just like that. Who would have thought? Who needs sports? <laughs> Who needs sports? Exactly. <laughs> but we tied it in because watching these Capital One and commercials. Pulp Fiction is an awesome oh, movie. I mean, that the movie best. is great. The best. Okay, we can agree on that. I can't believe it. We're agreeing on that. That's you know? right. Good. That's good. It, 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 it's probably a better movie than whatever the big seven-footer has for a contest this week. 
Yes, <laughs> and the big seven footer will be sharing his weekly contest. I don't with even remember well. the one last week. What was it? Uh, last I know week. it was the bird thing, and there was the book thing, and there was all sorts of whatever. Yeah, was. yeah. La- last week was the greatest child actor of oh, all time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. Uh, it was a barn burner that the it was decided by one vote. One vote. One vote. Yes. You want to take a guess who it was? Well, I, I said Shirley Temple, but I'm guessing that probably wasn't who won. I think it was. I think, was it? I think it was. Oh, okay. it was well, Shir- there you have it. It was Shirley Temple uh, over, I can't remember who. Yeah. Or Shirley Temple lost by one. Yeah. It was a buzzer beater. I don't know. You, you can ask the big seven-footer. So if, if Shirley Temple lost by one and I didn't vote, then I cost her the election. Yes, and, and I didn't get my vote in terrible. last week as well, too. But who won the electoral college vote? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have a Capital Bowl, a Capital One Bowl this year? I don't know. Hopefully, ho- I mean, ho- hopefully, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta will be there at halftime doing something. They should be in the parade if there is one. Exactly. Well, they probably won't have a parade, but they can come on down there at halftime and do something. So I guess, and see, I'm now going back to this commercial again. Why didn't you just use? Why didn't they use the Chuck Berry song they used in Pulp Fiction? Because it's a holiday Christmas commercial. So that's where I was going to go to. Yeah. So you, you go with another yeah, and, Chuck and they, Berry one. And they one still kept Chuck similar. Berry, but they made it the Christmas theme. I don't think anybody anybody picked up any of those references. I say nobody picked it up. Nobody understands until you go back and you read the article. But I don't even think the ardent, dedicated Pulp Fiction fan like but now myself. My, but now myself and you mm. and. The rest of our listening audience, next time we see the commercial, we're going to look at it differently. Oh, 100%. Exactly. We're uh, picking that apart. And I'd rather see the long version, the one that we just played here, but we always get that short version. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, long versions cost more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. More cancellations. College football. So we talked about Michigan-Ohio State. Here are some other ones that, that got announced today as well, too. Texas A&M-Tennessee, gone. Oklahoma uh, game, gone. Notre Dame-Wake Forest, gone. Purdue-Indiana, we talked about both those guys taking off practice. Okay, they're done now. Uh, Texas-Kansas, probably a lot of people wouldn't want to see that game anyway. And Cincinnati-Tulsa. Now, that's a big game. For like the third time, this game. Yeah, and and that's a big game because Cincinnati, who's trying to impress everybody, a victory over a ranked team might increase their chances more. Now, by not playing it, and again, it was Cincinnati was the one that canceled this from what I read because of COVID issues. Because there's some people out there saying, well, why doesn't Cincinnati play Ohio State? They're in the same state and that sort of thing. I don't think that can happen because Cincinnati's the one that canceled the game due to COVID issues. Not only that, but like we said, the Big Ten's not going to sign off on that no. because right now the Big Ten has enough problems on their plate. Oh, absolutely. And they're saying, oh, hey, no, no, forget this out-of-conference stuff. You know, we, we're we here where we're at. Let, let's move on here. Well, let's be honest about it. The Big Ten doesn't want Ohio State to go up against anybody that could upset the apple cart, so to speak, in the Big Ten. They want them to beat Northwestern and go to that Final Four for the money. Right. That's why they changed the rules. If they let them play Texas A&M or Cincinnati or somebody else and they lost the game, then all of a sudden the Big Ten championship game is a moot point. Exactly. So, yeah, Oklahoma-West Virginia, that's a game that I was actually yeah. wanting to see because West Virginia has been playing some pretty good football until they got annihilated last week uh, against Iowa State, which was one of our best bets. So there you go. Uh, so back to the Big Ten. So Ohio State is playing in the Big Ten championship game like we talked about yesterday, despite not playing the six games. You know, the Big Ten has had their critics, I'd say for a lot of years, but most importantly, it's been 
from the summer on when they said, hey, we're going to be the first. We're going to jump out here. We're going to play. Then on August 11th, they said, nope, we're done. We're not going to play. And then they were basically the last. Well, the Pac-12 was the last to join the party and say, okay, we're going to play. But they put themselves in this situation where we're not talking about these issues with any of the other conferences that started to play in September, like the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC. But now they have their Big Ten championship game slated. and It's Ohio State and Northwestern, not a marquee matchup. Nobody expected Northwestern to be there, not even anyone in the Big Ten. And this is not going to be real attractive, but Ohio State will have their opportunity, kind of what you're talking about here. Anytime anybody plays in these limited games, you must impress the committee. We talked about with Trevor Maddox yesterday, and this, I'm a, I think this should be a huge deal. You're going to be having Ohio State in this game, and that will be their sixth game, and just about everybody else that's in contention for the top four for a playoff berth is going to have 10 or 11 games. And to me, you don't have not only enough quality wins with Ohio State, no matter what happens in the North. They could be Northwestern 63-3. to and, and for me, you just don't have enough quality wins, and you don't have enough of a resume your body of work. If your best victory is against Indiana, where, let's face it, Indiana wasn't even picked to, to finish in the top four or five of this year's Big Ten, but you struggled with them. Justin Fields had a horrible game. You gave up way too many points, and it was a ho-hum affair. So for me, I'm, I'm not putting Ohio State in just because they're a quote-unquote champion of a conference and you've only had six games against less than stellar competition. Let's throw out Wisconsin. Garbage. Horrible. I mean, basically got shut out against Northwestern. Who else have they played? And we have none of those non-conference games like we normally get as well, too, that kind of factor in and kind of can serve uh, as tiebreakers. Well, now, you know I'm an Ohio State fan. I know, but, but you're, I you're in but, the media. But, but you're I, objective, so. Yeah, so if you let me talk and don't interrupt me, I will go ahead and, and, and put my thought out there. But you could argue that they don't have any quality wins. In the Indiana game, you could argue that Indiana, they basically ran out of time because they were coming. They had all the momentum. They waited too long to get that offense rolling, and Ohio State had a big enough lead at the time. Ohio State has not been that off, that impressive. But I'll tell you one thing Ohio State has, and I think I think the committee – and a lot of people in college football fear Ohio State. And I know they fear the Big Ten because they do let them do what they want to a lot of times. If Ohio State beats Northwestern, they're going to be in that Final Four. Whether they belong there or not, you can argue that. We always argue about what teams belong. When it was two teams, it was even worse. Now with four, you're still going to get arguments. Even with eight, you'd still get arguments, but you'd have less you know, plausibility for those arguments. Right. Ohio State wins. They're going to go in. I don't care if they've played six games. I don't care if they would have only played five games or whatever. If they're undefeated, they're going to go in that series because they were one of the teams. They were the main team that is the reason that the Big Ten ever decided to start playing. That and the other conferences going. And I know Nebraska had a lawsuit, but Nebraska was never in the mix of anything. The Indiana, Indiana game, unfortunately for them, the quarterback that helped them get that and almost get that upset isn't playing for them anymore. Yeah, it's hard to have a quality win in a conference without any other quality teams. True, but you would think going into this season that Wisconsin was going to be a quality team. 
no one really knew about Michigan, especially the way Michigan started the season, the way they blasted Minnesota at Minnesota. We all thought, okay. And remember, they were thrown into that top 20 immediately. Oh, absolutely. So, But it, I think it goes back to what you said yesterday. It was like there was this preconceived notion of Ohio State being a top two, three, or four team, and that's going to resonate with everyone. And when you don't have a loss to get that out of your head – then you're still going to be in that conversation. So I agree with you. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think you also have to admit that you were wrong if you don't put him in there at the start of the season, e- even though it shouldn't be that way but it doesn't because matter. of the eye chart and the eye chart. Yeah. But it does in a lot of people's yeah. mind. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of people, especially in this day and age, have a real hard time admitting they were ever wrong. Well, we've seen that with the bowl committee, you know, with the, the college football playoffs. We see committee. it all yeah. over the world, yeah. whether it's in the sports yeah. world, the political world, whatever mm-hmm. world. I mean, people don't like to admit they were wrong. Even when it's showing right in their face that they're wrong, they still fight it and go, no, I wasn't. I think the biggest factor is going to be what happens in that Notre Dame-Clemson game. That's really going to determine if Florida, well, obviously Florida beats Alabama, then, I'm sorry, Ohio State will be out. Or actually, Florida beats Alabama, you're gonna, you know, then you have to take a good hard look at that second game between Notre Dame and Clemson, and then you're gonna have to take a good hard look at Cincinnati, what they do in their championship game, and then Texas A&M comes into play because right now Texas A&M, they're just waiting for any of those teams to lose, and if you, Ohio State doesn't lose, they're going to that final four. Know, it'll be interesting. And, to and, see and, how and, and if Florida beats Alabama in a close game. Maybe they get both teams, but I honestly think that they would leave Notre Dame out and over Ohio State. We're always talking about style points. That Ohio State-Northwestern game is going to come down to style points. Right. Now, now, it will. Again, if Ohio State needs overtime or something to beat Northwestern, maybe. But if they win that game handily like they should, I, they're not going to keep them out. You know what this game has the makings of? And we've seen it before with all of Northwestern games and their opponents. An ugly, defensive, low-scoring battle, just like we saw against Wisconsin. Oh, for and, sure. And that's not going to bode well for anyone who's, who's voting in, because they're used to the Oklahomas and the Clemsons and the Big 12s and the SECs, and you know these guys scoring 40 and 50 points. So I, don't know, I just don't think it's, it's that much of a slam dunk that they're going to be in. I don't they think better a- win. I mean, they're going to be a double-digit favorite in this game. But again, with only six games, I don't know. But going back to what you said, too, so the financial gains. And I think this plays a big part of it as well, too. Each conference will get $6 million if they have a team that goes to the playoff. So basically, if you're one of the four, that school gets $6 million per team. So just say for the sake of argument, if there's Florida and Alabama both getting in, that's $12 million for the SEC that that – that they get there. And and that's why could you take two SEC and two ACC since Notre Dame is this year an yes, ACC you could. team? Could do you do you know how much every other conference would scream if they yes. do that? Yes. So breaking down the way this pool goes here. So each conference like I said will get 6 million per team that advances the playoff. Then there's a 66 million dollar pool that gets split up amongst all the Power 5 conferences. And then there's another $90 million that goes to the group of five conferences. Okay? There's a lot of money. Add that up. In a COVID time, when we're having all these games postponed and canceled, we're getting bowl games that are going by the wayside every day. And other sports programs at schools getting dropped because of money. Exactly. So where is all this money coming from? Oh, and by the way, if... 
any of these teams that qualify, do you know what their travel expenses are to go travel to, you know, say, okay, so the Rose Bowl game is going to be one of the semifinals, okay? $2.4 million per team. And we hear Clemson talk about, oh, we lost 300000 because of the game that, you know, we traveled uh, to Florida State to play and didn't get a chance to play. Well, $2.4 million. They're giving that. If you're using $2.4 million for travel expenses, there's something wrong there. There's, where's the rest of that money going? Well, I agree with you. There's definitely some money being skimmed out of that. But they're also, remember, four bowl games in that, unlike some of those other games, they are taking the cheer squads in some cases. They're taking full rosters. There is COVID testing and that sort of things now, so there's more expenses than there used to be. But, yeah, that's certainly more than enough money and more than adequate for these teams to be there. But, again, it's all this money is the reason that the Big Ten made the ruling they did. Right. If they didn't think Ohio State was going to get in that Final Four if they beat Northwestern, they wouldn't have made a special amendment form there's people right now calling this not the big 10 rule they're calling it the ohio state rule and that's not inaccurate if it would have been indiana or wisconsin or somebody else that had a loss that was in this situation that didn't have enough games and and when we talked to trevor we talked about that indiana has a legitimate complaint too bad it doesn't matter you have no shot of getting into that big game ohio state does you just mentioned the dollars they are going to do everything in their power with with the lone exception of telling Northwestern to throw the game to get Ohio State in there. They want them there. They want the $6 million. They want all the other money that rolls in. And I'll, and I'll say this, to, to be fair, we say, okay, this is an Ohio State rule. Because, and, and I think, and Trevor mentioned this yesterday too, I think Indiana, they would have a case here because they would have enough games and they, could, they would go if Ohio State couldn't. But the bottom line is Ohio State beat Indiana – so therefore, Indiana really doesn't have a case, and no, the only case they have is that they've played the minimum of all of the exact, games. Exactly. So, the athletic directors and the chancellors and the presidents came back and said, "Okay, this is why we're okay with this decision. We know that we said have to play a minimum of six games, but because Ohio State is undefeated, they beat Indiana head to head, and Indiana has a loss. Therefore." okay, we can make that exception. I'll tell you what, I don't believe that they would have done this if you had two undefeated teams. Say you had, I don't care who you pick, Ohio State, Indiana, Ohio State, and somebody. Say they were both 5-0. and They didn't have a head-to-head against each other. Now you've got yourself a, a problem, and you couldn't have made this decision. But I think they were willing to make this decision because not only what you're saying, public perception is Ohio State is clearly the best team. We thought they would be the best team going to this. We want to see them have a shot. Yes, bring us that money to our conference. But if it was 5-0 and and 5-0, and and then you had this, this rule stipulation, then I think you, you have a big problem. But because you don't have that, I think it makes it an easier decision. That's why people will say, it kind of stinks, but we understand it. Well, no, I agree with you there to one extent. But if there were two 5-0 and teams, I think they would then maybe – expand the rules to try to get both of them to sixth game. Whether it's against a Big Ten opponent, maybe they would let somebody mm-hmm. else go out of it and play somebody out of conference. But how do you do that if your Big Ten championship game is slated for this? You can't go past December the 19th and there's no extra weeks to play it. No, but they could have done it this Saturday. If Again, if only two or three teams are available, like Maryland has an open spot, now Ohio State has an open spot, Everyone else is accounted for. Well, now, uh, of course, Purdue and Indiana aren't playing, but 
they already had scheduled games. No, but like I say, and, and again, this is all a moot point yeah. because we don't know what they would have done, but I think they would have done everything in their power to try to get in. Maybe that's when you do finally say, well, okay, you know what? Ohio State, Cincinnati is in the same state with you, so you're not traveling across right. state lines in that, so we will let you play that game. Now, it could backfire because then Cincinnati could upset them and get themselves mm-hmm. even better in the mix there. But I think if that, if that situation would have been there, I do think they would have done everything in their power because the bottom line is they want a team in that Final Four. You're not mm-hmm. going to get it with a team that has a loss, especially in a conference where everybody's playing six games. Yep, yep. All right, we come back. We'll talk to the big seven-footer. We'll talk about some NBA news. Yes, the NBA, they training camps underway. Exhibitions games will start uh, tomorrow night, and the season is going to be underway very, very soon. We'll talk to the big seven-footer, get his thoughts on that. Don't you dare go anywhere. Glad to have you with us on a Thursday T.C. Martin Show. Cartwright! 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 He yelled Cartwright. I missed that. Who's Cartwright? I'm Cartwright. There's only one Cartwright, and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the dance floor. <laughs> I know you're loving this, man, because we talk about this all the time. We talk about old school music, and I say, that is old, old, old school that you like right here. Come on. Who is this? This is your main man, isn't it? <laughs> he is amazing. As a matter of fact, I saw him in concert. Uh, yeah, tell him where you I saw mean, him. Tell him where you saw him in concert. Ill my joint, right? I did see him at your old joint yeah. up there. He was, he was, he was, he was amazing. And what I really like about him is that he gets the crowd in, and, and then now he puts people on stage. Even though I never had an opportunity to twist up there, uh, but. Uh, he has people that have twist off, but there is is very hilarious. I think we would all pay top dollar to see the seven footer do the twist. I mean, do you, can 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 you do the twist? What would your twist moves look like? Would it look like anything that John Travolta did in Pulp Fiction? Uh, my twist is very smooth. You know, there's no jerking. There's always just it's just smooth twisting. Is Perfect. there is there a cigar in your hand or in your mouth when you're twisting? No, but I guarantee you, if I'm twisting, there there has been some alcohol. <laughs> and and that's why it's got to be smooth because you can't twist and spill the drink. That's true. That's right. There you that's go. right. Oh my goodness gracious! There it is. The big seven footer, the five time NBA champ and twist champion back in the day, uh, Big Bill Cartwright. Did you ever enter any dance contest? You know, most basketball guys, athletes are not real dancers. Uh, it's, it's almost like you got to do one or the other, and you just got to lose that part of it because it's social. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing a lot of a sport, you just don't do that. You don't, uh, you know, you don't inter- interact in any school dances or things like that. Yeah, one of the exceptions to that, of course, the great Walter Payton, who was on Soul Train. That's right. That's right. There you go. Look at that, Big Bill. That's right. Walter Payton was with Don Cornelius and Soul Train. He he can move. Maybe the running backs. Maybe the football players a little bit different. Uh, maybe so. You got you gonna have to ask a football player on there. But uh, most of our guys, we were in the gym. Uh, unfortunately, we were in there a lot. Well, I'll tell you where else you were at. Now, 
you remember you were drafted by the Knicks, all right, first rounder. So I know you spent many a night at at uh, Studio Fifty Four. Because that was like the prime time. We're talking late 70s, early 80s. Come on, man. you got to give us some Studio 54 love there, right? No doubt you were there. No, that's more of um, an oddity where we would go somewhere. Now, remember that. When I was younger, I was, you know, I mean, you, you know, you're paranoid anyway. And, and then now you're a young guy. You're in the league. Uh, so you know a few things. You know that you got to go to practice. Uh, you know, you got to go home. You know, you got to get your rest. Yeah. And, and besides this, I was a young guy and I was married. So and I had young kids. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going anywhere. The only time we would do something like that is maybe, I don't know, New Year's or some kind of a special event. But uh, no, I, I wasn't a guy running, rip, running in the streets and doing that stuff, as you know. <laughs> as I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, well, break out the Dons. We talked to you last week when they had the upset against Virginia. Congratulations on that. But what was even more remarkable was three days later, you guys go up to Reno as another underdog. Now, I'm not saying you know Reno is as good as Virginia, but to pull off the cross-country trip to go from the Mohican Sun Casino up there in Connecticut and come back home, go up to Reno. You guys probably drove up there. Who knows? Anyway, and you have two victories, upset victories, in a matter of three days. The, the Dons are rocking, man. And you got a game tonight against those 49ers of Long Beach State. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if that was a real upset in Reno. I think that, you know, they have a good team. Well, you were an underdog, so it was an upset. All right. Well, well, they were an underdog in Vegas. I'm not sure they were an underdog with us walking in there. But but I'm just saying that, and as we talked about during the course of the year, is that our, our team uh, this year, uh, it's, 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 it's a scary team because we really have, and I don't want to exaggerate, but it, it seemingly we have uh, 10, 11 shooters on the floor. And it's really scary to think that. And as we started the season, I had an opportunity to spend the time with uh, our coach, Todd Golden. I was telling him, I said, I really don't know what to make out of this team because it appears to be you guys have a lot of players on this team. And your biggest issue is going to be uh, how to get those guys on the floor and if you're going to defend because you look like you can really, really score. So it's um, – it's it's a really amazing thing. Um, we had a chance to, uh, after we played Reno, we played Cal Poly, and basically shot them out of the gym. And we're ahead in the second half by thirty. Ended up beating them by twenty. So uh, if we're shooting the ball well and we're playing decently tonight, I think it's going to be really more of the same. The sad thing is that it's in the gym, it's three blocks away, and I don't think I'm going to the game. That's unusual for you not to go to the game, to, to walk up the hill and go. Why, why not? Well, obviously, worldwide pandemic. And, uh, you know, and I was talking to a couple of the guys today uh, because they asked me the same thing, and I'm like, look, this is going to sound weird, but suppose somehow I – I'm the guy that gets one of our guys sick. And to me, it's just being responsible. Uh, I can still watch it on 
on my computer. It's right here. I think it's on TV. To watch it right here at the house. Uh, I would love to be there, but uh, I think everybody's got to be responsible. Our, our guys, our coaches, everybody in that team right now has been extraordinarily responsible. And to me, that's just what you do. You're responsible and you're allowing that team to move forward. Because can you imagine if I somehow was able to get somebody on that team sick or one of the coaches sick, they're done for two weeks. So um, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I can still watch it uh, and just go from there and, I don't know, maybe sneak in and see a practice somehow. All right. We'll see how the Dons uh, do tonight. All right, my man, the NBA season, we're ready to begin here. What is this season going to look like with the pandemic and everything else that's going on? I think the season's going to look exactly the same. The teams that, um, you know, are um, interesting enough, the teams that have been off really have an advantage because they should be chopping at the bits right now to play. So it's going to be really, really interesting uh, to find out who's who, to find out uh, how the new guys on different teams fit in, trades, how they're going to work out, free agents, how they're going to work out. Um, so we can really evaluate these teams now uh, in blocks. They're blocks of 10, how they're playing the first 10 games, then 15, 20, and then after that you're going to have a sense of who these teams are. Uh, I'm just hopeful that they're going to do something a little different. And maybe, who knows, maybe somebody throw the ball to the pitch post or rub or split action. or God knows, maybe throw it to the post a couple times um, to see if, if, in fact, there's some geniuses out there since we're running all that dribble handoff crap. Maybe teams are now going to play more zone instead of waiting for the playoffs. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see who's who, what teams are going to do now? What are they going to do differently? Um, you know, here in San Francisco, we'll get to see what the, how well the Warriors do. Um, that's that's going to be fun without uh, without Clay. So it, it, it's going to be a great year. It allows us to watch a lot of basketball and um, just get back into it. I tell you, who loves us most of all is uh, the biggest basketball fan in the world is my dad who's now 88 years old, this guy can watch three basketball games a night <laughs> and give you a pretty good scouting report. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun. You mentioned the fact that um, we're waiting to see how the teams, how they gel with their additions and subtractions and whatever, but is there any team in the offseason that's made moves that you're really excited and curious to see that you think they've really improved themselves a lot with some of the moves they've made? Yeah, just the obvious moves, and I think that you know everybody's going to watch the Lakers because they're, you know, they're they're the champs. But probably the next group you want to watch is probably over in Brooklyn to see what's going to go on over there, uh, to see how good those guys are going to be. Uh, they've got a new coach, that's with Steve Nash, so uh, I think that's going to be extraordinarily interesting to see. If, in fact, those guys can play together and how they're going to play. And we know what Steve Nash was uh, was a player. <laughs> he dominated the ball and insisted on it. So it's just going to be really interesting to see how that team comes together and if they're as good as uh, 
uh, as they're supposed to be. And probably the other team is uh, probably in Philly to see how Doc Rivers handles that young group. Um, and, you know, everybody that is the playoffs this year from, you know, the Kings to the to, to, to the Bulls to to really all those teams that we kind of thought that were going to be better uh, to see to see how they how they do and how they fare. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of yip yapping and see how the young guys do come out of the draft. Um, there's, there's a lot to talk about. All right, so let's talk about James Harden. He finally reports to Houston. Doesn't want to play there. Doesn't believe that he can win there with all the changes that they've made there. His agent reached out to the Nets. You talk about Kevin Durant, see what's going to happen there. He's now relatively healthy, going to play. Joining Durant and Kyrie Irving. The Nets said no, weren't interested. Now he wants to talk about joining the Sixers. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. He clearly wants to be part of a super team with multiple all-stars. And Houston doesn't have any of that. It seems like that's why he wants out. So I, w- I want to tie this into to the modern-day NBA player, how it seems that they are really so in tuned to wanting to join a super team. And as you know, it was never that way before. Do you agree that these guys seem to be, these superstars, seem to be wired much differently now and feel that, hey, the best way to, to get a championship is to latch on to these other teams and join superstars, and we saw LeBron do that way back when with with Wade and Bosh, etc. But just seems like that's how these guys are wired now, and I'm not sure that I actually agree with it. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's been teams that have guys who had an opportunity to play with better teams, as Roman Rowe and in the early '70s play with Walt Fraser in New York, and the hype then was, can those two guys play together because they're so ball-dominant? So there has been situations where um, teams have had superstars on one team. The thing is, is that to me, I don't care how many superstars I have on that team because my thing is that what's who has the best team? Who has the best players on that team that makes others better? And I think it was interesting when the Warriors were a championship team, their stars made their second group of starters or other players better. And I think that that's what the key of a star is. Now, if you're talking about James Harden, I I don't know. I haven't seen this because he's so ball dominant and so shot dominant that unless he goes to a team, where he can make that team better, regardless of the stars, they'll win a championship. If not, it's going to be a waste. Right now, we haven't seen that. Right. So uh, we can get him. You can get him. But if he's still putting up 20-plus shots a game, that's not, to me, that's not winning basketball. Let me ask you this. So Kevin Durant, you know, he leaves the Warriors. It was a perfect situation where they could have won multiple championships because he's got Curry, he's got Clay Thompson, he's got Draymond Green. He goes to, to the Nets, and it just seems like, along with this mentality now that, you know, with, with Durant, he wanted to start somewhere fresh. And if he wins a title with the Nets, I'm not sure it's going to happen, even though he's got Kyrie Irving there. Do you think it, it will mean more to him winning there because 
he's starting something new and he's not part of this, this super team? As you know, I don't understand that mentality. Right. Uh, Irving left Cleveland so he could have his own show in Boston that, that just didn't pan out. But that's what I'm saying. These guys seem to be wired different now. I mean, you don't, you can't, you can't predict what they're thinking or, or why they're doing some of these things. Well, I think that when you have an opportunity to not only leave that team, but also you have an opportunity to make more money, that that plays a big a big part of it. And, and we talked about the fact that, look, if you're coming into the league now and you're a first-round pick, your second contract, let alone your third, your second contract, if you, if you could sign – um, a little bit more than a mid-level exception. You, you're, you're done. So you can really be done when you're 30 years old or late or early 30s. So um, it's not like where when years ago, 20 years ago, unfortunately, when I was playing, you were looking to think about what you were going to do next. Those guys are thinking about, look, if I play well and I get a bigger contract, I'm done. They're done playing. So it, it is a different mindset to where, you know, I remember talking to Mari Stonemeyer. I said, Mari, how, how does it feel to know that you made more in one year than I made my whole career? <laughs> so it, it's really remarkable. It's true. It's, it's, it's a different mindset. It's a different worry. Um, and, you know, God bless me, it's, 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 it's a good worry that uh, that guys can really dictate their own future now. I mean, a lot of people don't like it. But, uh, you know, if I want to leave and I want to play somewhere else, I want this challenge, uh, they, they don't have to worry about the finance of it. And they can just leave and do whatever they want to do. <laughs> All right, Big Bill Cartwright joins us. Hey, uh, real quick, we had James Donaldson on the program yesterday, a uh, guy you know Sacramento. very well, that Sacramento, and like we were talking about, two seven-footers at the same time in Sacramento, same conference, same everything, same year. You guys graduated the same year, different schools, went to college same year, went to the NBA same year, all that stuff. Uh, and I told James, I said, yeah, you had 100 pounds on, on Big Bill, and he cracked up with that. And that's true, right? Yeah, and the thing is, we were scared of him. As I was like, "Holy smokes, this guy could crush us!" <laughs> but uh, but but luckily, you know, and I'm sure you talked with James about it. James came, to, you know, we I was I came to basketball early, and I think James came later, and his skills hadn't really been harnessed as as of that as of that time. Luckily. Or he he really swatted the hell out of me because that dude, uh, not only big, long, uh, ended up being a really good player in the league. So uh, luckily we we caught him at the right time. Yeah, good stuff, man. All right, so the Cartwright family contest, it's going on. Uh, break it down. What 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 is what is the the contest this week? All right, this is an amazing contest, and it's a contest that you are going to appreciate. All right. Okay, you ready? Let's bring it. What is the greatest instrument of all time? Oh, the greatest instrument of all time. Oh, all time. I, I got plenty there. I don't know. Frank, you got a greatest instrument? 
Well, for me, it would either be the guitar, because that's my favorite thing to yeah. hear with somebody yeah. that can really shred on it. I love it. Or the piano, because yes. so many of the great songs of all time were written on the piano that that would be one of those two for me. I, I would go with that, because I, you know, here's how you, you gauge your instrument. If you don't play like myself, what do you find yourself like mirroring or air guitar. air guitar? I do a lot of that. I do the drums a lot. So when I got my jams going, I'm doing the drums. Some people I, actually do keyboards. And Some I do keyboards, do too. Keyboards. I do key, So I'm I'm pretty well, how do I, I don't want to say well-rounded, but I've, I got love for the, the guitar. I'm going to say drums for me because I love the drums. But then again, I love the sax. I love the brass. I love the horns. Uh, drums, horns, there it is. Something like this, Big Bill, where it incorporates everything. I got the beat. I got the drums. I got the brass section. Let's go. Let's boogie. Who's this, Big Bill Cartwright? Forget about Chubby Checker. It's all about AWB. Can I get a witness? Oh, we could go some Tower of Power. We go some brass construction. There you go. There, say there, there we go. go. There, that, I'm going with that. There. And how about the voice? The voice is an instrument, the, right? It the is. Voice my, my, is an instrument. And you guys know my daughter. She would go with that, probably. All right. What do yeah, you? What, yeah. what? What do you suggest? As you know, <laughs> I always announce mine on Friday. But uh, as you know, I am a huge guitar fan. But I am a huge piano fan. I love the piano too. Uh, yeah. so Keyboards, it, it, piano. It's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be one one of the two. There it is. By the way, who was the greatest child actor? <sighs> the greatest child actor was a barn burner, and it went down to the last day, the last vote, and to the chagrin of Shirley Temple, it was Ron Howard. Opie got Shirley. And, and who were the two that I picked before? Yeah. Shirley Temple and Ron Howard. Uh, there you go. You're Nostradamus. There you go. All right, brother. We we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your game tonight, even if uh, you watch it from uh, you know a few blocks away at the house there. Uh, go Dons. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, go Dons. We'll you got to be responsible. There you go. Be responsible. And I, I respect you on that and totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Got to stay away. Just wish I could do that with lotto numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Be good. Big Bill Cartwright, the seven-footer. You can go catch out his podcast as well, too. Bill Cartwright's got the podcast going. You can catch it on YouTube. Check it out. There you go. All right. Pick up the pieces, baby. When we come back, Bob Arum, promoter extraordinaire, will join us. The greatest promoter of all time. We're going to talk some boxing. And we'll also talk about tonight's uh, Thursday night football game also with uh, Nick Bogdanovich. Don't you dare go anywhere. 